In the summer, I was asking people in Queen's Park questions from a questionnaire. And the last question on that questionnaire, well, maybe it wasn't the last, one of the questions on the questionnaire was, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? If you could ask God one question, what would it be? And to me, more interesting than what people said they'd ask God, and nearly all of them said they'd ask him about suffering, more interesting than what they said they would ask God was how it was said. Because it, people seemed pretty confident that there were issues God ought to explain to them. And really they got a right to demand from God an answer. And the question often didn't sound like a question. It sounded more like people telling God what they thought of him. And I think everyone I asked answered in that sort of way. Now what does that show people think about what they are like compared with God? If, if that was a representative sample, I don't know if it was, I just went round Queen's Park and asked anyone who was willing to answer, what does it show people think they are like compared with God? On a level with him? Or maybe even above him? Or maybe it's just these days we're so used to, aren't we, nearly every internet site has a comments page and God's just like an internet site that we can put our comments page on. Maybe the biggest problem with the human race is that we've got wrong what the relationship, the comparison between us and God is like. Because it's nothing like people who can demand of God an answer. It's like a baby in the presence of a king. That's the relationship between an ordinary person and God. It's like a baby in the presence of a king. The baby doesn't get to question and comment on the king. The baby can't. We're like babies before a king. And that's what we find if we turn to Luke chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. Let's turn there again. These are the verses we've got to as we go through Luke's gospel. We were going through it a couple of years ago, and we restarted last week. And we've got to chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. Here we have this famous account of Jesus having children brought to him. But it turns out to not mainly be teaching us about children. It turns out that it's mainly teaching us about Jesus and about us. But along the way we can get a lesson about children. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to learn about Jesus and about children and about us. So let's start by learning about Jesus. Verse 15, we have this phrase, they were bringing babies to Jesus. Here we get a lesson about Jesus. Now, Luke likes to tell us about disapproved of people coming to Jesus. It's one of Luke's specialities to tell us about that. So in chapter, 17, in chapter 7, Jesus is out for dinner when a sinful woman, a notorious, well-known sinner, approaches him and is disapproved of by the dinner host. And Jesus is disapproved of for letting her touch him. In chapter 8, an ill woman who was excluded from society comes to Jesus. In chapter 15, religious leaders get annoyed because of the sinners Jesus is mixing with. In chapter 17, he's helping lepers. Now, they are so disapproved of that we talk about a leper colony, meaning a group of people you wouldn't want to get near. And at the end of our chapter, chapter 18, there's a blind beggar. And he's calling for Jesus' attention and he's so disapproved of. People just say to him, just be quiet. Just be quiet, you. 
And here in verses 15 to 17, it's children coming to Jesus. It fits Luke's theme of disapproved of people. Now, we might not get that because our society supposedly thinks highly of children. I'm not so sure it really does. But it flatters children. Have you been to Ikea recently? In Ikea, there's a big sign on the wall, children are the most important people in the world. What do you think of that? Children are the most important people in the world. You're agreeing? Probably the children are agreeing, but you're wrong. They are not. Sorry, but they're not the most important people in the world. And in that society, it was obvious that they're not. And the disciples' attitude was understandable. Send them away. Jesus is too important for them. He's got better things to do than spend time with children. And we think nasty, harsh disciples. But we could be wrong in a different way. They were wrong, but we could be wrong in a different way. We can think, well, anyone can breeze up to Jesus. Anyone can say a prayer to Jesus. Anyone can have a bit of Jesus. Jesus is almost public property. Everyone can make Jesus whatever they want. Jesus has become just an idea, and you shape that idea to however you want it to be. But who is Jesus? He's a person. And they want personal interaction with him. They want him personally to touch them. And he's not any old person. I think it was last week I said, the main lesson of Luke is that Jesus is the saviour. But another main lesson of Luke, maybe not emphasised quite enough, but it's emphasised quite as much, but it's emphasised strongly, is Jesus is the king. It's a big emphasis of Luke. Jesus is the king. What's the first mention Jesus gets in Luke's Gospel? Do you know? It's the angel Gabriel saying, God will give him the throne of his father, King David, and he will rule forever. It's the first time Jesus is mentioned in the whole Gospel. And then Luke goes on to give us chapter after chapter of Jesus teaching about the kingdom of God and making clear he's the king of that kingdom. And then you get on to our chapter, chapter 18, and Luke's just about to lead into Jesus entering his capital city in a royal procession, an unusual royal procession, but it's clearly royal, and he's clearly coming as a king to his capital. And then Luke goes on in his second volume that we call Acts. Luke wrote two books, one we call Luke, the other we call Acts. In his second volume, it's all about the spreading of Jesus' kingdom as his disciples preach that Jesus is Lord. He's the ruler. Jesus is the king. We won't get our passage right, and if we don't take that in, he's the king. Now, there aren't many kings left. I don't know how many kings there are left in this world, but we're helped in this country to understand this because we have a queen. Now, who gets to see the queen whenever they want? Almost no one, I presume, her close family and some important royal officials, but almost no one gets to see the Queen whenever they want. Anyone here met the Queen? I expect there's one or two, surely, here who've met the Queen. In this number of people, or maybe none. Or even if you have, it's done on her terms. You didn't just go to Buckingham Palace and knock on the door and say, I'm here to meet the Queen. You didn't write a letter to the Queen and say, I'd like to meet you and here's 
the time and here's the place. You don't do it on your terms. Or let's take a step down from the Queen, although actually she was much more prominent than the Queen at the time, Princess Diana. Now she famously visited AIDS patients and held their hands and talked with them and people thought that was wonderful and I'm sure it did some good. But she decided when she would go to them, it was done on her terms. I'm not downplaying the good of it, but it was done on her terms and it is noticeable it was done with the camera crews there to record it. I don't think they could just turn up to Princess Diana when and how they liked. Now Luke... He's keen to show us Jesus as the king, the king of kings and the lord of lords who should be out of reach to us, inaccessible behind the gates of his heavenly palace. But instead, Luke says, he's got an open door. He came down to us and he welcomed sinners and sick people and lepers that no one else would get near and children to come to him. And they just turned up and spent time with him. And they just asked him their requests, and he listened to them. And all of that is to show us what he's still like. He is still king. We still should bow in awe of him, amazement and respect. He's not to be taken for granted, but it's showing us he's still so welcoming. He isn't running a club for the best people. Yes, you can come in if you can contribute something good. No, he's running a kingdom for needy people who need a king who cares. So here we have this famous story about Jesus and the children, but first of all, it's teaching us about Jesus. That's the most important lesson, to learn about him first. But it does tell us something about children also. So let's move on. Verse 16, Jesus says, Let the little children come. Let's learn a lesson about children. Now, I've said that in Luke, we keep on having these disapproved of people coming to Jesus and we repeatedly find they come because they need him. Whether it's the sinful woman who interrupts that meal Jesus was having because she wants forgiveness. Or the ill woman who creeps up on him in a crowd because she wants healing. Or the lepers who come and from a distance call to him because they want cleansing. Or the blind man in our chapter who calls out even though people tell him to be quiet because he wants his sight. They all need Jesus to do something for them. Now, here are people, presumably parents, bringing children to Jesus because they need him. Well, what do they need him for? What do they want him to do? What does verse 15 say? People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. They want him to touch them? That's a funny thing to do. What's that about? Well, it's a sign of blessing. They want his blessing on their children. What does blessing mean? Blessing is having someone's favour. It's having them for you without demanding exactly what that means, without specifying for them, I want you to do exactly this. It's, I want you to be for me. I want to have your favour. I want some goodness from you, but I leave it up to you what that is. It's a bit like this. Children, are you looking forward yet to getting Christmas presents? I'm sure you are, aren't you? When is December starting? Next week, isn't it, I think? 
So, you're looking forward already to your Christmas presents. Now, as you get older, you will discover there are some people where it is worth suggesting to them what present you want. Some people it's worth doing that because they don't get... They haven't got very good ideas about what present to get. But you'll discover that there are other people where you don't need to suggest. You just leave it to them because they're good at thinking of something. And actually, they might even get you something better than what you'd suggested. Some people, you need to make suggestions. Their presents are disappointing. Other people, no, you don't need to. Just leave it to them. They are generous. They've got good ideas. Now, these parents, they bring their children to Jesus. Which sort of person do they think Jesus is like? Well, of course, they saw Jesus is the sort of person you don't have to suggest what present would be good. You just need his favour. They just needed their children to meet him. And he would do them good, and he would know what was the best sort of good for them. And so they brought their children to Jesus. They brought their children for Jesus to touch. That's significant, it says touch. It means they wanted their children to actually have personal interaction with Jesus. They didn't just tell their children about Jesus. They didn't just show their children Jesus, uh, someone Jesus had healed. They didn't just want him to see them, them to see him from a distance. They wanted their children to have his touch. And Jesus gave it. Verse 16, let the little children come to me. So, a lesson from this for the children. Children, are you listening? Children, this says you need Jesus. Did you know that? You need Jesus. You need not just to learn about him, not just to be able to answer questions about him, you need him to accept you as one of his people. You need to belong to him, to be on his side. I wonder at school, do you have picking teams for a game at school? A sports match or some sort of game and different people pick people for their team. And you wonder, who'll pick you to be on their side? Will you get left until last? Or are you one of these really good people that people pick first? Well, you can be on Jesus' side, but he doesn't pick the best. He welcomes everyone who asks, can I belong to you? I need you. You need him to change you. You need him to change you from being like this, I want, I must have, me, me, me. Aren't we like that? You need him to change you into a person loving God. And you don't have to wait until you're older. You don't have to wait until you're a teenager or 20s or some older age. Jesus welcomed children. And it says here, little children. And he still does. And so however young you are, you can pray to him. And however simple your prayer is, you can ask him, forgive me, change me, can I belong to you, be on your side. Will you do that? Children, will you pray that prayer and ask Jesus? Parents, a lesson to you from this. In these verses, there are people bringing their children to Jesus, and then there are people turning children away from Jesus. And Jesus says, let them come to me, don't hinder them. As parents, we have to make sure we're the ones bringing our children to Jesus, not the ones hindering them. We bring children by showing them they need Jesus. 
By teaching them they need forgiveness and they need heart change. And they need it from him. We hinder children when we give them the message they don't really need Jesus. And we give them that message if they see in us that we're more bothered about whether they do well in school, get the good grades, heading towards a good university. Does does it look like that's what matters most to you? They get the message they don't really need Jesus when we make Christianity sound like it's just learning the Bible and knowing the answers instead of you actually need Jesus to work in you. They get the message that they don't really need Jesus if you don't seem to really need Jesus because you don't seem that interested in him. We bring children to Jesus by showing them they can themselves pray and speak to God however young they are. They can ask God to work in them however young they are. We hinder children if they don't learn to pray because they never hear us praying heartfelt prayers that sound like we mean it. Or if we give them the impression Christianity is just for adults. Now come on, you just keep out of the way, we've got our our time at church. Or Christianity is just a game for children. Sometimes we do the opposite. We make it look like it's just a game for children. And children pick up if something doesn't look serious. It just looks like a game. Ultimately, we must bring our children to Jesus in our prayers. Because we can't get them to Jesus by our parenting skills. And we mustn't try to get them to Jesus by emotional pressure. No, we need their hearts changed. And that's a work of the Holy Spirit. To change them from just knowing about Jesus to really knowing that they need Jesus. So, however young or old your children are, whatever past regrets you might have about your parenting, are you doing this? And keeping on doing this, bring your children to Jesus in your prayers. These verses teach about children, but they're more concerned about teaching to us, teaching about us. So, thirdly, let's move into verse 17. Verse 17, we have this phrase, like a little child. It's a lesson about us. So, Jesus moves from welcoming the children to giving us a lesson from the children. Verse 16, he says, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. He doesn't mean the kingdom of God belongs to children. He's not just being romantic about children. Aren't they all so lovely? They're all all my children. He's saying the kingdom of God is for people who are like children. And he explains that in verse 17. Verse 17, I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Now, I think it will help us to understand what he's saying if we look at the two other times this comes up in the Gospels, two similar times. I'll read you from Mark 10. You can turn if you want to Mark 10, or you can just listen. Mark 10, verse 13 to 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, 
Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them and blessed them. It's clearly exactly the same event. But significantly before it goes, chapter 9, verse 33. Chapter 9, verse 33. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child and had him stand among them. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So Jesus gets this little child and these, these disciples of his, they're being proud. They want to be the top dog. And so Jesus uses a child as an example of someone who's regarded as unimportant. He says, in my kingdom, you've got to lower yourself down. And he uses an ex- a child as an example of being low, of being unimportant, of being someone who is thought not worth taking notice of. You can see similar in Matthew 18. I'll just read you a few verses from Matthew 18. Matthew 18, at that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, we could easily misunderstand this. Jesus is not saying children are naturally humble. I don't think they are naturally humble. He's not saying children have a humble attitude. They don't always have a humble attitude. In fact, children tend to think they are the centre of the universe. Everything's about them. You offer a group of children some sweets, what will they all say? Me first, won't they? Or nearly all of them say, me first, me first. They think they're the centre of the universe. So Jesus isn't saying they've got a good attitude to copy. He's saying they're regarded as low. They're regarded as bottom of the pile, at least in that society. Whether they realise it or not, that's where they are. And he's saying we must change and humble ourselves and regard ourselves as low, as bottom of the pile. And you can see that if we go back to Luke 18. Who exactly was brought to Jesus? Luke 18 verse 15. Who exactly was brought to Jesus? Well, it says babies. It is accurately translated here. The word is for the smallest of babies. Really little infants. Now, what's Jesus saying to copy about babies? Their good attitude? Do babies have a good attitude? Well, I don't think they really have much of an attitude yet. No, he's not saying they have a great attitude. He's saying they are weak and dependent. He's saying they rely on being given. How does a baby get food? There's no earning, no shopping, no cooking by them. They're just given it and all they do is cry, suck and swallow. Isn't that what a baby does? Cry, suck and swallow. That's what Jesus is saying for us to be like, sort of. They can't dictate terms. I want strawberry milkshake this time. They just have to 
take what they're given and trust a good mother to give something good. And Jesus is saying that's what we are like. That's what we must recognise ourselves to be if we're to get into his kingdom. So you might be used to getting on well in life through doing well at school, through being clever, through being fit and strong, through being successful at work, maybe even through being reliable and well thought of at church. You might be used to, you can do well in life, but you don't bring any of that to God to get into his kingdom. You come into his kingdom like a little child, weak, dependent. I can't dictate terms, I've got to rely on you to give me something good. You don't earn your way in, just like a little child doesn't earn its milk. All you can do is be like a little child, you cry. You cry out to him and you take what you're given. But he's a father who will give something good. You don't have to dictate to him exactly what to give, he'll give something good. So have you come into God's kingdom? Have you come under the caring rule of Jesus? That way, like a little child. If you haven't come in that way, you haven't come in at all. If you've come in on the basis of what you contribute, or what you've done, or what you are like, you haven't come in at all. Because Jesus says, verse 17, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. But if you've come like a little child, oh, you feel so weak, and you know you depend on God, and you know you can't dictate terms to him, you just need something good from him, then Jesus says, verse 16, let the little children, let the childlike ones come to me, and don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. How have you got into God's kingdom? There's only one way, like a little child coming to Jesus. One last thing. One last thing. This isn't just how to get into the kingdom of God. It's also how we carry on in the kingdom of God. It's how we carry on in the Christian life. The essence of being a Christian is this. Being like a little child coming to Jesus. Did you get that? If someone asks you, what is a Christian like, what would you answer? I reckon a good answer would be this. A Christian is like a little child coming to Jesus for blessing. That's not just how you get in, it's how you carry on in the Christian life. Recently in home group we were in 1 Peter chapter 2 and I'll read you a couple of verses that we came across in home group. 1 Peter chapter 2 says, Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good... A Christian is someone who has tasted that the Lord is good. Jesus is so good. He's the king who welcomes needy people. And and if you're a Christian, you've tasted that he is good. Not just learnt some principles about him, tasted he is good. And so the Christian cries out, I want more of him. I want to know him more. Like those babies being taken to Jesus, you need his blessing. You need him personally, his touch, him to be involved in your life. 
Not just to know about him second-hand from other people. You need him to be at work in you. Now, yes, as a Christian now, you do certain things about it. So you grow up as a Christian, you read the Bible, and you come to church, and you get help from other Christians. But they are not mechanical methods that will do something in themselves. They will not, on their own, make you grow. That would make Christianity just a set of principles, or just a self-help guide, but it isn't. Because Christianity is being like a child coming to Jesus for his blessing. And so the only way to grow as a Christian, the only way to survive as a Christian, is to cry out like a baby cries for milk. It's a pity we haven't got any doing it now. There's quite a few babies here. None of them are crying for milk, because then we get a demonstration that they are insistent, and they are loud, and they won't give up until they get it. And they're a model for us, crying out for Jesus. You cry out like this, Jesus, I need you. As I read the Bible, as I come to church, as I work at the Christian life, I need you personally to be at work in me. Because without you, I'll be like a baby sucking at the bottle, but the bottle is empty. And whatever I do, I'll just be like a baby sucking harder at the bottle, but the bottle's empty. I need you to be at work in me Jesus, I need your blessing. You never grow up beyond that. The essence of being a Christian is this. A Christian is like a little child coming to Jesus for his blessing. Is that your attitude? Is that your prayer? Let's make it our prayer now. Let's pray.